Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Providence Journal's College Basketball Podcast. This is Bill Koch, sports writer for the Journal, from my Warwick home on a lovely Tuesday morning. I am joined, as usual, by my co-conspirator, the sports director at ABC6, the weekend co-host of Cordishi and Coit on WEI Providence. Nick Coit, ladies and gentlemen. Coity, how we living? Uh, living good, Bill. Be living much better in 48 hours when there's a turkey in front of me. <laughs> Yes, Thanksgiving is just about here. My favorite holiday on the calendar, uh, Coit. I'd like to be among the first to wish you and your family and friends a, a happy Thanksgiving. Right back at you, pal. Right back at you. And and I'm I'm glad as a uh, person who is from America's hometown, uh, where you know tradition started. I'm glad that somebody like you would advocate for that holiday. I'm also going to assume that you're one of those people that says. We don't think about Christmas. We don't put up the decorations. We don't do any of that before Thanksgiving. Don't do it. No Christmas music. No nothing. That's right. You're shaking your head. Yes, that's right. Christmas you and me. Does, Christmas does me not Mr. exist until Friday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Until Friday. then, we are Mr. Mr. Grinch, baby. Let's go. Absolutely right. For for folks who know <laughs> me, I, I'm a very generous gift giver on Christmas. Uh but none of those are purchased before I have turkey and, and a little stuffing and anything else in front of me. Uh, that That is more important. Um, quite goodness. Uh, I mean, Plymouth native, of course, over 400 years ago, the Mayflower lands here. Um, you really think it hit that rock or no? Uh, that could be a story and uh, discussion for another podcast. Bit of a stretch that it was yeah. that exact rock, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of rocks in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it at that. We, we've we all, if, if you grew up in New England, chances are you, you probably had an elementary school field trip to Plymouth to see Plymouth Rock and uh, <laughs> the setup of what's supposed to be the actual Plymouth Rock that the Mayflower hit is, uh, well, it stretches belief, shall we say. Mm, mm-hmm. It's uh, one of the most anticlimactic tourist attractions in the world, I'll tell you. <laughs> and people come well, in droves. <laughs> well said, and and they do, and they mm-hmm. do. Love my um, town, love my town, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's profiteering of the highest order. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Um, what Thanksgiving does give us, though, in in addition to a great meal and some time with family, and and obviously a, a fair share of high school football and and the NFL. It gives us great college basketball, Coit. Uh, we are right in the midst here of, of Feast Week. Uh, I know I was up late last night watching Marquette play in Maui. Uh, you know, they had a thriller against UCLA. Tyler Kolick and the Golden Eagles pulled that one out, and uh, they'll play number one Kansas in the semifinals of the Maui Invitational. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, that that event will still be ongoing. Uh, and Coit, our local teams are in action as well. Certainly, um, you know. Few <laughs> can I just the, can I say ahead. one thing? <laughs> Bill Walton is a national treasure. Oh. <laughs> did you hear his comparison last night? I did. <laughs> Tyler Golick. Look, uh, we love Tyler on this yeah. podcast. Um, you know, and he's a great player. He's been a great player in college basketball, but. I'm not sure that I would compare Tyler Kolick to Steve Nash and Nikola Jokic. <laughs> it's just, it reminds me of the, uh, 
the old clip of the Boris Diaw is like uh, watch or listening to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Bill. Bill also oh, intentionally or not, he he dropped a Tinder portal instead of the transfer <laughs> portal, <laughs> which was tremendous. Uh, <laughs> I, I tweeted last night, you know, start printing the T-shirts right now and send all proceeds to Bill Walton. The the Tinder portal, Coit. Oh, my goodness. I mean, wow. Swipe, swipe left, swipe right, and you've got yourself a basketball team. Tr- tremendous. Uh, I mean, really, just just <laughs> Bill Walton in the wild is, is always guaranteed entertainment for sure. I, I can only imagine. Uh, I just had to, I had to squeeze him in there. Oh, oh so good. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Anyways, so continue. You have your fill of mashed potatoes and your fill of Bill Walton all at once. It's a <laughs> beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, our, our our local teams in action, uh, some of them in neutral court events, some of them at home, some of them on the road in, in some high-profile opportunities. And that leads us to Bryant Coit, who led the podcast last week for different reasons. It, it was a lot of off-court stuff with the Bulldogs over the last week, certainly with a, a coaching change, uh, a coaching elevation. And now on Saturday, the biggest win in program history, 61-52 at number 10, Florida Atlantic. Uh, The Owls, the Darlings last year, the NCAA tournament, a Final Four team. Bryant went down to Boca Raton and shut them down over 40 minutes. Uh, A stunner for a team that was 1-3, that had given up 95 points to Boston University its previous time out. They go out there, and like their last trip to Florida Atlantic, in which they played the Owls very tight all the way down to the end. This time they finished the job. Uh, the first Division One win for Phil Martelli Jr. since his acting head coach tag was removed. He's officially the guy in Smithfield now. Uh, and what a feather in his cap to start off. Awesome. Um, and and really, the, the dial got turned up defensively, uh, I'd say, the last two games. Uh, some, something clicked, something happened. It, it's funny how sometimes just a switch can flip with a team and clearly something flipped with this team. Um, I thought you wrote a nice piece uh, with, with, you know, what Phil had to say after the, uh, the loss with BU and, you know, trying to figure out how do I get this team to, you know, sort of play the way that we want to play. And I don't know what it was. Uh, something did they go to T. Anthony's after BU and and you know did, was there something there? Was it? Yeah, he's nodding his head because I made a BU reference. Well, that would be a good idea, win or lose, to go to T. <laughs> right. I mean, what whatever it was. Um, yeah, a, a tremendous, tremendous win. Really, we knew that this team had a lot of talent and potential, uh, but to see it on display like that. That was one of those, wow, okay, these guys can be really good. Uh, because we knew offensively they were going to find offense. Um, Sharif Gross-Bullock can score, um, you know, but defensively, the buy-in. Um, and the Howard game Monday, uh, Earl Timberlake I thought was tremendous, um, particularly defensively. I know he was a lead scorer, but defensively he's he's really, you know, I think dug in. So it, whatever flipped, it, it's flipped. With this team, um, really impressive, and I think for the coaching staff, obviously tremendous because now they have things to look at, things to say. This is what we look like when we are at our our peak, our potential, um, and this is where we can go with with the guys that we have on this team. And Bill, we've mentioned the the guys off the bench too, and some of the new guys, um, you know. And I think we've seen 
more production out of those guys. Um, mm. You know, newcomers like Connor Withers against Howard, first half, tremendous. Daniel Rivera, you know, I, I think we li- we liked what he was bringing already, but now you're sort of seeing the payoff. And a guy like Doug Etter, if 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 Doug can get going and he can be a guy that can, you know, can a can a couple of threes and change momentum, then all of a sudden you're looking at that roster, you're looking at that team and saying, hmm, okay, well, a lot of different guys can do a lot of different things. So uh, a tremendous stretch here for Bryant, particularly as we said after you know some of the uh, you know some of the things that were going on around the program. If Florida Atlantic goes five for 30 from three, that, that's just not who they were last season when they went 35 and four. Um, you know, you consider that that Bryant loses at BU. They stay at a hotel near Logan Airport late Thursday night. Uh, Friday morning, they fly to Florida. They practice immediately. And, you know, they have a team meeting after that, an impromptu team meeting. Phil Martelli said he, he's not a big believer in, in team meetings. He said – he said teams that have a lot of team meetings tend to lose a lot of games. He said that's why we have team meetings over and over and over again. He's not a big believer in that. He said, but there was some good sharing that went on there. Uh, he said Todd Rochelle, the reserve guard, was, was particularly profound in that meeting. Um, you know, and it was mostly about guys playing for each other and, and sacrificing. And I think you see that when you give up 52 points on the road to a team like Florida Atlantic. And and you certainly saw it at times Monday night against Howard, 67-61 at the chase. Um, you know, as I wrote for the journal on Tuesday, it's it's wonderful to win at Florida Atlantic. It's a program landmark to win against the top 10 team. But if you come home and spill against Howard, how much does it really mean? You know, you're looking mm-hmm. for consistency night in and night out. You're looking for progress, for growth. And you know, that comes with results, certainly. In the first 27 minutes against Howard, they're up 18. I thought it was the best basketball they've played through six games to this point. Offensively, they were unselfish. Um, you know, they were low turnover numbers, high assist team. Uh, defensively, inside, Howard was 5 for 17 from 2 in the second half. You know, Bryant doesn't have a traditional rim protector they don't really tr- play a traditional five-man, but their interior defense for 25 minutes or so was great in that game. Howard got back in the game on the offensive glass. They started to hurt them a little bit, and Bryant got away a little bit from some of that ball movement in the second half. But, you know, Coyda, I think we saw from Saturday and from Monday what the peak of this team can be and why so many people thought that they were among the contenders preseason in the America East. And you're you're talking about a night where Sharif Gross Bullock went three for twelve from the field. On a night like you know, that happens, you, you sort of look at it and say, "Well, okay, well, if, you know, if that happens, then Bryant might have some struggles." But they didn't um, because they were unselfish, as you mentioned. I, I think the ball movement's been much better too. Um, I think you you're seeing that you know clearly on the floor, um, and when other guys are stepping up, contributing. It's huge. Like we said with Connor Withers, um, you know, he first half against Howard, he was unstoppable. Um, you yeah. know, so that that's huge. If, if, if other guys are going to, you know, contribute the way they have, then you're looking at a team that, you know, I think has a little bit more balance. Um, you know, even having two guys that were preseason all league, um, there are other guys that can certainly contribute um, and, and certainly pick things up. And I think you saw that. And you're right. Coming home, that's an important game against Howard because, you know, you fall on your face, all the goodwill over the 48 hours before that, 
you know, it, it doesn't, it kind of, it kind of goes out the window a little bit. He's like, Oh great. They beat Florida Atlantic, but then they come home and they lose to Howard, but that didn't happen. And they withstood that run in the second half too. And that was huge um, because clearly at that point, that may have been the point where the travel and, you know, they play Thursday, Saturday, Monday. Yeah. That catches, that catches up to you. Um, And it certainly caught up that 14 0 run, but they sort of, Kept the kept their composure and hit a couple of big shots down the stretch. Um, Sharif hit a big shot, uh, you know, with the dunk. Rafael Pinzone hit a big jumper, and you know they they got away with the with the win. So huge! It, it's 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 huge. It's it's a great week for them. And again, it just sort of looks. You look at it and you say, okay, now we are moving forward from whatever was hanging around the program, and this is what we can be. And they've certainly shown that. Yeah, so Bryant now they get a few days off. Tuesday they they're going to be completely off, not in the gym. Uh, and we asked Daniel Rivera after the game. We said, "How are you feeling?" He said, "I'm devastated." He said, "Physically, I am done." Oh yeah. Uh, you know, so they'll they'll have Tuesday off. Wednesday they'll have practice. They'll have a team Thanksgiving dinner early Wednesday night because Thursday they are back on the road uh, to Xavier. They will play Friday against the Musketeers at noon. Uh, the meat grinder continues. Uh, you know, for Bryant, but at this point, they will have more confidence leaving Smithfield than they've had, you know, maybe at any point this season. Uh, you know, and they should after the week that they've had. What's uh, uh what's on the Thanksgiving table for the Bryant Bulldogs? What do we think? I don't know. We didn't get into specifics, but you you got to imagine that uh, Phil Martelli is someone who grew up in Philadelphia and uh, you know, lives in Cranston, a, a great uh, food hub in the state. I'd imagine the man knows how to eat. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, Philly, I'm thinking like, uh, I mean, you don't do steak and cheese, but maybe some sort of cheese. So maybe is uh, are they mac and cheese people for Thanksgiving? Ooh. I'm not sure. Usually. Like cheese, that, that that's that's just sort of where my, my head goes. Could be dead wrong. Could be dead wrong, but we'll we'll see. I, I'd, I'd be interested to know. Well, Phil, in, in a nod to his Italian side, you know, do they do a stuffed shells? Or or a major Ooh. or a major antipasto or something like that. Ooh, interesting. Oh, is there is there like a, is there a baked menagot in there? You know, something along oh. those lines. I mean, that is <laughs> those are uh, you know those are game changers when you start to introduce that. Speak, um, speaking my language, there, pal. Oh, just delicious. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, really, if if you throw that in after you know, the nut bread and, and some other things to start off. I mean, wow, that's that's putting you in a different place <laughs> on Thanksgiving um, for sure. Uh, we, we look at um team that was on the road that had a couple really good schedule opportunities here over the last week and, and did something with them, and that's the Providence men. Uh, they are fresh back from the Bahamas after splitting at Bahamar. Started the week with a very impressive win over Wisconsin in the Gavit games and then split with Kansas State and Georgia. They lost the Wildcats in overtime and then beat Georgia with some really good execution down the stretch at Baja Mar. Um, you know, Coit, I, I just wonder, you know, for the Friars, who, who obviously took care of the Bulldogs 71-64 in their last game on Sunday, um, I think they got a lot out of this stretch. I, I think there were a lot of good things. I think we saw the upside of what they can be going forward. Uh, and they showed a lot of grit in both of those games on a neutral floor. They had great traveling support down there. I know I spoke with Steve Napolillo, the athletic director, and, and he was thrilled with the way the Friars traveled. It, it's not really a big surprise. 
Um, but considering over two games in the Bahamas, I, I think they learned a lot about themselves, and I think there was a lot to like there. Yeah, and I think the depth was tested, obviously, with the Georgia game, and that's that's a really nice win for them because I don't care who was favored and what the line was, all that. Like, I don't care how much they were supposed to win by, whatever. They were missing the two point guards. Pierre and Duel were out. They were both out. So they had to figure some things out. They had to figure out how to win that game and sort of weather the storm with that. And, you know, I think a few guys were were tremendous, stepped up. Uh, I mean, we've we've it's obvious to point out, um, but Devin Carter's been their best player, and he's been tremendous on both ends of the floor. Um, and I think in this game, he stepped up too. Um, I've loved how much Josh Aduro has really come on as a steady presence, um, as a smart player. You know, it doesn't make doesn't make many bad plays, if any. Um, you know, so the, those are the two guys I look at and I say, you know, it's great to have their presence there. Um, and I think Bryce Hopkins had a had a I, I would call it a a bounce back game with with Georgia. Um, I, I think with this new style, he's adjusting because they want him to do some different things than what he was doing under the previous coaching staff. So I think there's there's some adjusting going on with with Bryce, but I thought the Georgia game, he was better. Um, and he's going to get better. Um, and obviously, if Providence wants to reach its peak, they need Bryce Hopkins to be, um, you know, Bryce Hopkins. And so um, the more he adjusts, the more he continues to improve, then, um, you know, I think it's it means good things for the Briars. Jaden Pierre played five minutes against Kansas State before they shut him down. He's got a hamstring problem. We'll find out more about that on Wednesday when we have media availability with the Friars, I, I would imagine. Uh, they'll have had a couple days to examine him and, and treat him here. And, and Kim, Eng- Kim English will have a better idea of where he stands going forward. Uh, Garway Dual was suspended for fighting at the end of the Kansas State game. Um, you know, he got punched in the throat. He retaliated. It was a bad look for him. Uh, you know, not a great look for the Friars. Uh, you could see their bench, the way they reacted. They were just like, no, Garway, don't do that, please. Nate Tomlinson has never probably moved faster. Mm. in his life <laughs> yeah wasn't no. good um no. you know and the shame of it was it's in a five-point game if the referees go to the monitor and they see the punch on garway first friars get two shots in the ball down three uh you know and have a chance to tie it there uh you know so a lesson for him certainly you, you hope that he takes this and and just moves forward and and you know reminds himself as he if he's in a situation like that again which he will be because he's going to have a long basketball career um, you know, not to retaliate, let the officials handle it. Eventually they will, you know, or your coaching staff will handle it in, in some way. Um, you know, but that, that made it difficult the next day against Georgia, as you mentioned, playing shorthanded, uh, you know, the front court was very important. Obviously Aduro continues to impress. He was really good in that game. Uh, but you mentioned Hopkins Coit, and I think that's, that's a good place to go forward because, that was the most typical Bryce Hopkins game we've seen so far this year when you yeah. compare to who he was last season. Um, he had 15 points. He had nine rebounds. He only attempted two threes in the game. Um, you know, he got to the foul line uh, a reasonable amount, which which is what you're looking for out of him. Um, you know, I think Hopkins, it, I, a lot was made before the start of the year. All right, they're going to change styles. What does that really mean? You look at Hopkins and, and you look at his three-point numbers, his attempts are up and he's not making many. His two-point shooting numbers are way down. 
his assist rate is way down, his turnover rate's way up. Um, he just hasn't looked comfortable really in a, in a lot of these games. I, I know he's had some production in, in a couple, uh, you know, K State and, and Columbia. He had double doubles, but you know, it hasn't necessarily been the guy who we saw just blossom right in front of us last year. Um, you know, so the Georgia game, even though the turnover numbers were, were up a little bit, uh, you know, I liked his effort. I liked the areas on the floor that he was getting to offensively. Um, you know, and I, I thought he was a little bit more active in the paint. And you know, realistically, I, I know that they want to change some things and they want to play him more on the perimeter, but they are probably best served with, with him doing what he does well. Um, and it's difficult to to watch growth that's not linear. They're they're trying to get him to a certain place and he will be a better player after all this. But you know, it's tough to watch night in and night out if he is below that. And it's going to be hard for them to win games against good opponents if he's below that. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a balance between you know him doing what is you know best suited for you know his skill set and what he can do best for this team while also you know, th- let's be honest here. Th- these guys are preparing for long professional careers after this too. Yeah. And Bryce in particular is a guy that's going to have a real nice shot at having a nice professional career. Yeah. And so how does how does he improve in terms of getting ready for that? Well, three-point shooting is an important thing. And we've seen the attempts up, um, you know, and, and playing a, you know, a different position. Um, you know, we heard on... Uh, what was it? Midnight Madness. We heard guard forward, right? Um, that to me says, okay, he's gonna add a little bit of something different to, you know, his his skill set. But you know, where was he well suited last year? Where did he shine? Where was he dominant? Um, it's inside the arc. Um, that that's where he can really do a lot of damage. And so there's a, there's a balance there. There's an adjustment, and I don't blame you know Bryce or the coaching staff for you know, going through that because they want, they want to, again, balance the, Hey, this is Bryce Hopkins who's going to help Providence win. And Hey, this is Bryce Hopkins who wants to play professional basketball here in the future. And so they bring those two things together. I think Sunday, you're right. You know, the Georgia game, it's, it's probably the best thing that, you know, the, the most recognizable Bryce Hopkins that we've seen, you know, here this season. Um, And, and it was one of those days where you're like, okay, yeah, this is this is the guy that people are talking about as the All American, um, and these are the you know the great things that he can do. But you know they'll continue to adjust, they'll continue to um, you know balance both of those things, and um, you know see where they go from here. But I think while that that balance is going on, again, I, I've been just so impressed with Devin Carter. He's just been so mm-hmm. darn good, so darn good. At I think I think people underrate him. I, I really do. He he is. What a tremendous motor he has. And as a defender, it's just his anticipation is just so impressive. It it really is. And I I just he's been so steady for them and it's really helped them early on here. Yeah, Carter and, and Aduro have definitely caught the eye here uh through Huge. five games. They've they've been the best two players for Providence, who is back in action on Friday. They will host Lehigh. Uh they'll have another home game after that against Wagner. Uh, and then they will host URI uh, next weekend in, in the annual renewal of uh, in-state grudge holders there. Uh, we will certainly get into that much more uh, 
oh, next boy. week. Uh, <laughs> oh uh, boy, here we go. Uh, Coit, we we will go to the Rams next. Uh, they were also on a neutral floor in, in name only. Really, they were essentially the home team at Mohegan Sun for two games over the weekend. Um, and I thought it was those two results for URI over the weekend uh, against Northwestern and then against Washington State. I think they were revealing in a way. Uh, it showed that URI still has a lot more work to do here uh, before they are a, a competitive team, a contender again. Uh, you know, two losses first to the Wildcats, 72 61, and then to the Cougars, 78 um, 57. Two very different games. Northwestern, they, they couldn't have started worse. Uh, they were down 22 to 2 and ultimately got back in the game late in the first half. Um, you know, played relatively close. The rest of the way, but but never really threatened to take the lead. Northwestern started the second half on a 10-2 run and, and keep them kept them at distance. Uh Washington State, they're in the game in the first half, down too late. Washington State scores the last five points of the first half to build a little margin. Uh URI's trimming that lead through the first two media timeouts of the second half, and then they went cold from the field. 9-19 without a field goal, and, and Washington State pulled away. Uh, Coit, you, you just look at URI stepping up in class against a, a couple power conference opponents. And when you play against teams like that, it exposes you if if you do have weaknesses. And you know, I think URI is going to get a lot of good tape from that. They're, they're going to get a lot of teaching points um, you know, going into this week. Uh, you know, they play Johnson and Wales on, on Wednesday, which, which is a, a breather, obviously. And then they host Yale over the weekend. And I think there are going to be some lessons learned over those two games for Archie Miller and his staff. I I thought it was for where they are now. Of course, you'd like to win those games, but the learning experience, I I think, is just as valuable as results at this point. Oh, absolutely. Learning experience to see, okay, we want to punch in that weight class. What do we have to do? Um, And a learning experience for the coaching staff to see, okay, we had a weekend that we had. How do I, how do my players respond? You know, how do they how do they look the the days after? You know, what are they doing in the gym? What are they working on? Um, what's their mindset? What's their attitude? Um, you know, I, I think you you learn a lot there. Um, so it's it's a good, it's a good litmus test. I think we, we expected to see probably some struggles this weekend, as as good as URI has been to start the year. Um Obviously, the coaching staff probably didn't expect a 22 to 2 run to open the first game. Uh, and that's probably not something that doesn't matter who you're playing, you don't want to give that up. Nope. Um, but but it's look, it's all okay. It's all okay because I think we all expected URI to have these sorts of growing pains. So, you know, it's about how you respond, it's how about how you go forward, it's about how you take it uh and learn from it. And I, I think this. I I think it's probably good for this coaching staff too because I think Archie really likes his team, likes to be able to coach this team. Now he's got a lot to coach them on, <laughs> so I'm sure that you know having that whistle in in practice, you know, the next couple of days here, it's it's a good thing. And then see what you you know you get on the floor against Johnson and Wales on Wednesday, and you know maybe there's some things you have worked on that you can work on you know in some live game action, um, and then you you know you host Yale over the weekend. You know, a good Ivy League team, obviously. So it'll be interesting. Um, but you know, again, you learn from what you you take from this weekend and you go forward. Yeah, I, I will say one thing for sure uh that we did learn, and that's Zeke Montgomery is a guy. 
and he's and good he's man be a guy on this team going forward yeah yeah um you know had two really good games over the weekend uh you know against against northwestern he's 18 points um you know six for seven from the foul line he's getting there he had three offensive rebounds he, he's not intimidated by their size uh, against washington state he has 19 points he's five for eight from two makes a three again he gets the foul line uh you know he's got a block shot in that game um you know this is someone who played in the postseason last year in the nit with bradley they played wisconsin you know that's a different level of competition um i asked him after the first game i said you know, you played in the postseason last year on that stage. I said, how much more comfortable does that make you now? And he, he, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, there isn't anything that I haven't seen anymore. And, you know, yeah. a few of my teammates were, you know, maybe a little, a little hesitant, um, you know, maybe a little unsure. He said, it's, it's on me to try to bring them up to, to that level and, and try to encourage them. And, you know, you like the leadership in that moment, certainly. Um, but he's a guy who, and I tweeted this, I think on, on Sunday, when they are good again, uh, when they are contending again, he's going to be a part of it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, I think Zeke obviously was really good this weekend. Um, I, I like, I like Louis Courtright, um, and some of the things I, I think he's pretty steady too. Um, and you know, a guy that flashed on Friday that, you know, you want to talk about some athleticism, you know, it's, it's good when you have a younger player who flashes because you're like, Oh, okay, we can work with this. Cam Estevez was really good uh, was. off the bench on Friday night. He was, and, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people he, he took notice and, you know, if, if your young guys are coming in and they're showing those flashes, it means one, you're, you're recruiting the right guys. Um, so that's obviously a good thing. Um, but it also means, you know, okay, Let's develop this young guy. You know, let's get him some more minutes. Let's see what he can do. Um, and by the time a ten play rolls around, you know, is he a solid member of your rotation? Is he a guy that's seen some things and and ready to contribute? Um, that's you know, fifteen points off the bench, no small thing against Northwestern. That's that's huge. And the way he played too, you know, just some of the plays that he made, you're like, ooh, okay. So yeah, another guy this weekend that you look at and say, hmm, okay, intriguing. Yeah, he looked composed. It, it wasn't too big for him, for sure. Uh, you know, a couple guys who flashed through three games who who really had a tough weekend. Jaden House first uh, just did not find the driving lanes as open as he did through three games. Uh, you know, against Northwestern, you could tell he was really frustrated, forcing his offense. Uh, you know, and Archie Miller said after the game, you know, that's partly on us. We need to do more to help him, um, whether it's coaching staff or, or his teammates out there. We need to make sure that he has opportunities to score in the game um you know but he he wasn't able to bully power conference teams like he was you know central connecticut and and wagner let's say uh you know the other guy was david fuchs who who really um you know we you talk about big guys it tends to come later the guards tend to flash first and you know it tends to take longer in your career to develop big guys and we're watching david fuchs through three games and we're thinking wow you know your eyes got a real steal here they still like him they're, they're not going to dislike him based on two games. Uh, but against Washington State, you, you could tell he was really struggling in that game. It was very deer in the headlights out there. Uh, he had five turnovers in the game. And, you know, after each one, he's sort of looking to the bench and, and looking around the arena and thinking, man, I've never played this bad before in my life. What's going on out here? 
you know, through three games, I was really comfortable and playing well. And, you know, now these two teams have completely taken my confidence. What went wrong? Uh, you know, and Archie after the game said, you know, David's going to be a big part of this. We still really like him, uh, you know, but it's just one of those occasions where it was a little maybe too much too soon and he's got to grow up and that's going to take time. And, you know, we're going to get back in the gym and in practice and, you know, rebuild him here. Johnson Wells would be a great opportunity for him and anybody else who didn't play well to get back out there and build some confidence this week. Uh, and obviously Yale coming in over the weekend, that's going to be a good test. So Rhodey having a few days here with a game, but also with some practice time and, and with some time together on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, this little mini break, I guess you could say in the schedule, I, I think it comes at a good time for them. These are all good things and part of a long college basketball season. So for those two guys, for House, I, I'm sure that Northwestern and and looked at it on Friday and said, well, now that now that teams have seen URI, this squad, and what they might look like on tape, they probably looked at it and said, here's our number one guy in the scouting report. We're going to key in on him. Here's the as 8 much as player Ar- of the week. we got to stop exactly. him. Exactly. And right. so – as much as Archie and this coaching staff want to, you know, help him more, you know, to get him some more opportunities to score, I'm sure Northwestern looked at it and said, we're keying in on him. So there's an adjustment there, too. You're the number one guy on the scouting report now. So you got to deal with that. You got to adjust to that. So and and David will, as as we've discussed on this podcast, he's a guy that's that's, you know, in America the first time. So he's still making the life adjustment, too. And it went smooth to start, but again, these are all good things. How does he respond? How does Jaden respond? We're going to find out here soon, but I'm sure they're going to respond well. Teachable moments for the staff. Uh, you know, they got Johnson Wells on Wednesday, as we said, and then Yale over the weekend will be a really good test. Yale, obviously, the the preseason Ivy League favorite. Um, you know, so that'll be an interesting game at the Ryan Center. Uh, Coit Brown, our last men's team. We will get to them. Here, uh, Brown, obviously, you know, also on the road, uh, playing a one of the toughest games on their schedule. Uh, they're at USC, and Brown gave a very good account of themselves through about 38 minutes in that game. They're right there with the Trojans all the way down to the end. 81-70 loss uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, that, that came after a game against Rhode Island College, which, Similar to what URI is going to play on Wednesday, it's a breather. It's a chance to get guys out there. You can make some corrections a little bit. And they obviously took something from that, even without Keno Lilly Jr. Uh, you know, they certainly took some momentum, you know, maybe some way of playing, some sort of confidence. Uh, a first win of the season, whether it's against Division Three or Division One, it does not matter. Brown was 0-3 going into that game against the Anchorman. They, ne- they needed that taste of success. And they carried that with them out to the West Coast and and really played well in that game on Sunday. Um, And I think that was more in line with the team that Mike Martin expected to have. I I think that was more in line with the team he thought was finally going to break through and make it to the Ivy League tournament. Um, You know, certainly when you look at their schedule to this point, losing at Colgate, okay, that's fine. Colgate's a very good team. The loss at home to Loyola, Maryland, was a little strange. You know they were disappointed coming out of that. And then New Hampshire, they didn't really show up at all, losing by 18 on the road. That was very surprising to me. Uh, I was very curious where the Bears would go from there. And, you know, the answer was over the next week, they went to a pretty good place. I I thought they really battled against USC. 
Um, and I think that leaves them in in a really good spot going into the rest of their schedule. Yeah, a lot of confidence to take out of that game, no matter the result there. Obviously, you want to try to win that game. You're right there at the end. I don't think the 11-point victory is indicative of how close it was. Um, so it, I think there's a lot of good things to take out of that. Your top three were your top three. Then when they play that that well, you're going to have a chance to win the game. Kino Lilly Jr. was good. Uh, Nano Wusuanane has been steady and consistent, even through some of the early struggles. And Kalu Anya was, was very good in the game, too, against USC. So those three were really, really good. Um, and if that's going to happen, then you're going to have a chance on, on your given night. I think the guy that that really stood out to me in the USC game that can take some confidence going forward, we've talked about the backcourt opportunities here and, and guys that can step forward. Felix Coleman off the bench stepped forward in the USC game. He played really, really well. And that is that can be a really positive development for Mike Martin's team. He has said there is opportunity for guys to step forward. He stepped forward in that game off the bench, and that was huge. And so... You know, the more that guys like that can contribute, then the the better and the, the higher the ceiling, I think, can be for Brown. Because, again, the top three are going to be very, very good, but it's going to be about the other guys and their depth that, that you know, can help them step forward. Yeah, through three games, they, they got just about nothing from the two and three spots. And, you know, they were big holes in the lineup offensively. Uh, you know, against Rick, granted, it, it's against Rick. It, it's not, you know, competition on your level, but – Aaron Cooley was good in that game. He made some shots. Uh, you know, he's one of the candidates there at those two spots. And then you mentioned Coleman, who flashed in the brown-white scrimmage before the start of the season. Uh, he was really good in that game, made some shots. And he's going to be open at times. He and Cooley are going to be open. Kimo Ferrari is going to be open. Everyone's going to play Kino Lilly. And they're going to play Kalu Anya. And they're going to play Nana. Um, and it's going to be on those other guys to make the most of their opportunities. And you, know, you saw Cooley against Rick and, and Cloman against USC. They both got into double figures. And if they can consistently, one of the two on any given night, if they can give Brown a fourth scorer, uh, you know, maybe to take a little pressure off Keno in the backcourt, that's going to be so important for them and their ceiling. Uh, you know, Keno missed the Rick game with what Mike Martin described as a minor knee injury. I understand that, you know, coaches want to be, um, you know, secretive about whether or not guys are hurt and maybe they don't want to tell us the whole story. I sort of feel like that might have been a mental health break for Keno. I, I do. The uh, Foxborough flu is what, is that what you're A little saying? bit of the Foxborough flu, I think, because at New Hampshire, he's scoreless. The first time in his career, 0 for 7 from the field. That's just not the guy who we've seen through two seasons. Oh, yeah. Um and what's the point of having him go out there against Rick? You're going to win by 40 anyway. Uh, you know, maybe have him sit back, watch the game from the sidelines, watch his teammates a little bit and say, okay, these are the spaces I need to get into. The other night he had 24 points and, you know, all right, he wasn't that efficient. He took 25 shots. As the late, great Bill Reynolds used to say, do you realize how good a player you have to be to get 25 shots off in a game <laughs> yeah. like that? He said, never mind that he's missing the shots. He said, your your average player couldn't get 25 shots against USC. He's like, so. Was 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 Billy getting 25 shots when he was playing at Brown? I'll tell you, he would have tried for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, if you, you put Billy in Los Angeles in the 60s, he would have tried shooting everything. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The shooter. We miss him. 
Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but you know, Keno being aggressive in that way, Keno really stepping forward and saying, "Yeah, I'm the man." You know, I'm going to try to lead this team here. Uh, you know, I'm the number one offensive option, and I'm going to act like it. I love that. Well, it's something that the coaching staff's been trying to get him to do because he is an unselfish kid. If you ever meet him, like they're like, no, no Kino, it's oh, it's okay to pass the ball sometimes, but you're our best player. You are the best scorer on this team. Go out and act like it, you know. And so that's, yeah, I agree. The aggressiveness is a really good sign. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily want him haunting in that way, but I mean, hey. You're in a spot like that. It's an up game. You're the best player. Like, if we're going to win this game, stands to reason you got to do something special. So go ahead. Yeah. You know, go ahead. Give it a try. Uh, and and he certainly did. Brown trades one warm weather climate for another this week. Uh, they will replace the Friars in Bahamar. Uh, they will play three games in the Bahamas, starting with Delaware on Friday. That's a good mid-major game, playing Delaware. Um. You know, and certainly there are some good teams in that field, as we've mentioned before. Greensboro has a high-profile win already over Arkansas, I think it was, early in the season. Um, so that is a nice field, and and that will be three good games, it stands to reason, for Brown in paradise before they head back. Um, you know, I'm sure that they'll be on campus this week. They'll probably travel on the Wednesday, if I had a guess, uh, have Thanksgiving in the Bahamas, and, and then – play on Friday. Uh, Coit, what do you think Thanksgiving looks like for our friends Scott Cordish and Russ Tyler? Uh, I, whatever. I don't care. They're going to the Bahamas. <laughs> Heck with those guys. They're going to the Bahamas, please. Well, to, to hell with Scott, but at least for Russ. Yeah, exactly. I hope I hope the turkey's sour and just, you know, go ahead. Go sit on the beach. You are. You you yes. you, you and your weekend partner need relationship <laughs> therapy. You do. You too. <laughs> You two are outstanding. Uh, Russ, I hope Russ has a really nice meal and enjoys himself. I hope I hope Scott, you know. <laughs> there is Russ Tyler. There, there is no there is no finer gentleman on the college basketball scene currently than Russ Tyler. Uh, you know, we we certainly hope that that they have a great trip, a productive trip. Um and it would be nice to see them win more games uh, than they lose out there. You know, if they could go two and one, maybe scare the tournament, go three and zero oh and win it, uh, that would be tremendous. And you know, we certainly look forward to a, seeing uh, what Brown can do out there. Familiar name with Delaware too, right? Jair Davis still on their roster. Jair Davis there and playing well. The former yeah. Providence Friar, um, who never actually got on the court for PC in his one year here. Um, yeah, guy who. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably a, a better fit in the CAA than, than he would have been in the Big East, I, I think we could say. He's um, dominated. He's dominated. Yeah, been yeah. you you want to be on the lookout for him, for sure. Um, Coit, another team that played a road game against a ranked opponent. That was the URI women. They were at North Carolina State on Sunday. The uh, Lady Wolfpack, 14th in the country. And they pulled this one out in the last five minutes, 67-58. Uh, Rody looked on the verge of an upset uh, and only scored two points in the last five minutes of the game. NC State really locked down, um, you know, showed why they, they were good enough to beat Connecticut at home. Um, you know, and certainly the URI women uh, who won at Brown on Friday night before they traveled down to face NC State. Uh, they showed over 35 minutes or so 
why they're the A-10 favorites, why we felt like this could be a special season in Kingston. This was pretty much the opposite of what they showed at Maine. Uh, Tammy Reese was really not happy losing at Maine. Uh, she wasn't particularly thrilled with the way they played at Brown, uh, but they did enough to to beat the Bears on that Friday night. She went to the bench. I thought she was sending messages to her starters by benching them for extended stretches in the second half. I, I think she's really you know, trying to get this team to a point where they play a certain way and have a certain attitude, um, you know, that maybe she hasn't seen so far consistently. Um, and I think we saw that come out on Sunday. And if they are more of that team going forward, um, they're going to be a lot more good nights than bad for the URI women this season. It was interesting to hear Tammy reveal that, you know, she hadn't, particularly loved the way that they had been practicing, you know, the week leading up through the main game up until Brown. And that to me is okay. So that means you're adjusting with some of your new players as to here's how we do things every day. Here's what I'm expecting of you every day, those sorts of things. Um, So clearly there was some, you know, adjusting going on. And, you know, she even said to us after the Brown game, you know, I looked at that main game and I said, do do we need to take a loss here for us to sort of make progress, for us to move forward, for us to get our message through? And they did. They took a loss. Um, so, you know, it, did it get through? I think the way they played against NC State, clearly they, there was some, some sort of progress there because they almost pulled off that upset. And so if if it means that they've – if the, the main loss – means that they have taken some steps forward uh, in terms of their culture and what they want to be this year, then that's that's okay. That's a good thing. Sometimes that needs to happen. Not the first time I've ever heard a coach say it was a necessary loss or it was a loss that maybe we needed to take. Mm. I've heard of plenty around here. Watch a lot of teams. It happens. Sometimes it's good. And I, I think for this URI team, maybe, maybe it was good. Um, and it was also good – the Brown game, you're right. We we did see some other players step forward because I think so far, I think Maya's been very steady. Tena Magasa has been tremendous, best shot blocker in the nation right now. Um, you know, really, really impressed with her. She, I, I mean, that her play raises their ceiling. If she is that healthy yes. and she's that good, her play raises the ceiling. You know, what can you get out of your backcourt? I think Sophie Phillips hit a couple of big shots with Brown. I think Sophia Vital, Vital um, if I'm saying that correctly, I think I looked at the pronunciation guide that Michaela so graciously put out in the uh, in the game notes. Um, yeah. <laughs> she had a couple of big shots at Brown. That's a nice development if you're getting contributions from a young player like that. Um, so, you know, I think that's a good thing to see um, in terms of the backcourt and your, you know, contributions there. But clearly they were more like the URI team that we had seen early on against NC State. Um, it was a great battle. And, you know, if they are that team, you know, more nights than than others m- moving forward, then, you know, they're going to win a lot of basketball games. It's a good point on Magasa. She had five block shots against NC State. I can't imagine URI has had many post players in their history who could have five block shots against a power conference opponent. Um, you know, someone like Magasa is not out of place in that game. Uh, and normally that's the spot where, you know, teams who are low in, in mid-majors would struggle against power conference opponents. It's no different 
than in the men's game. You know, those are just harder people to recruit. There are less of them. They're more in priority and, and more in demand. Um, you know, and URI has one of them in, in the middle. Uh, you mentioned Torre. She had 19 points. She didn't really have any problems scoring against NC State. She she looked good against Brown and carried that over uh, into Sunday. Um, you know, Coit, I, I think I think the players that, that Tammy has taken some aim at here, I think Tisha Hyman's one of them. Um, you know, she was in foul trouble on Friday, sat a lot of the second half, and they seemed perfectly fine with just leaving her there. Uh, they played Inez DeBras a lot in the second half. She had six assists against Brown. They played Sophia Vital a lot in the second half. She flashed defensively in that game. And, you know, NC State might have been a little bit too much and, and maybe a little bit too much size for Vital. But against teams at the A-10 level and, and equivalent and below, I, I think she's going to be in a lot of these games and, and really be a factor early. Um, you know, and so for someone like Hyman, who wasn't really giving you much other than scoring against Brown and who was six for 20 against NC State, uh, they need more out of her. You know, she was a highly regarded transfer coming out of Syracuse, um, you know, someone who can raise their level in terms of perimeter scoring. But, you know, Tammy's talking about we need to play the right way and, you know, we need to make sacrifices and, you know, you need to do more defensively and whatever else. I think those were a little targeted. Um, you know, toward Hyman and, and maybe Dee Dee Davis a little bit. I, I think, you know, they're the newcomers who are being asked to do a lot here. Uh, just about everybody else was a holdover from a team that, you know, was within a couple wins of an NCAA tournament. And, and I think there was some messaging there. Um, you know, and I, I certainly think that, you know, Davis and Hyman being graduate transfers, I, I think that's, you know, the sort of thing that older players can hear and can adjust to uh, and can put into practice pretty quickly. Um, you know, but I, I certainly thought that uh, Tammy was doing some targeted messaging there. Well, I, I think if she was, I think, you know, I think in some ways it probably got through to Tisha because, yeah, OK, so she was six for 20 against NC State, 12 points. But the nine boards to me is where the message gets across. Important. You know, that's important. Um, and if you're going to go 12 and nine, then OK, that means you're five doing other things on top. Yeah. Of that. So you're sharing you it go. a little better, too. There you go. So if you know, and and I think Tisha, she can really handle the basketball. Uh, if you know, she made a move in that opener where she deked somebody out of their shoes, and I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> <right>. wow!" <laughs> oh yeah, she played at Syracuse, sure. Um, you know, but yeah, if if you're gonna stuff the stat sheet all around, that to me says, okay, I think if there was a message, I think the message was probably received there. That's good. Um, and if she can take that kind of coaching, that only helps the coaching staff and Tisha and the whole team going forward. If that's the kind of, uh, culture and that's the kind of progress you can make, um, then that's, that's a great thing. Coaching staff pushes a player, player pushes themselves. Everybody benefits in the long run. The whole team benefits. And if Tisha is a better player for this team as a result of that, then, Again, you're only going to get better with the guy uh, with the you know the players you have on the floor. And we mentioned Brown; they were on the road for their next two. They're at Loyola Chicago on Wednesday, and then they're at Monmouth over the weekend. Uh, the next time they play in the Ocean State will be against Bryant next week. Uh, you know the Bears, Coit. They they beat Providence on Wednesday. Um, you know that was a, a really just determined effort by Brown. Uh, they're they're sticky to play against. 
Like defensively, they're a little tougher than you think they are. They don't really have much size, but they guard really well. Um, you know, offensively, they've got a couple dynamic players. Obviously, Kyla Jones was really good against Friars uh, and good again uh, against Rams. She led them in scoring with 16 points. I thought there were times against URI where Grace Arnold started to assert herself. Uh, you know, I was sitting next to Paige Mass here during the game, and I said, that's their best player. She just doesn't realize it yet. I yeah. was like, that's the kid who needs to take control, take more shots, be more aggressive, you know, be in her teammates' faces saying, I'm going to be the person, you know, here we go, give me the ball. I'm going to drag you ladies to the finish line with me. Um, but as a sophomore, I don't know if she's ready for that. I don't know if she has the personality to do that just yet, but you can tell. And, and you know, I know she's been a favorite of yours here on the pod. She has special talent. Um you know, as someone who could score it at all three levels and, and someone who physically is strong enough to impose herself against bigger players, smaller players, doesn't really matter on the perimeter. Um, you know, Brown needs those two to lead them and, and needs a little bit more of a contribution inside because they are undersized. Uh, you'll be interested to see what they do against Loyola Chicago on Wednesday. They'll have a couple of days off for the holiday before they play Monmouth. Um, you know, but just watching Brown twice last week, I, I think they're – they're pretty much right on schedule at this point. I, I think you would have, you know, maybe you'd like to see them three and two instead of two and three. You're, you're nitpicking at that point. But, you know, they've got the makings of a team that can eventually be pretty good here. Yeah, and and the makings of a team that if you see them on the schedule, particularly in the Ivy League, if they're going to play as well as they did defensively as a collective unit against Providence and URI, then these Ivy League teams are going to look at it and say, oh, poof. We got to play Brown tonight. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. If that's your if that's your identity, if that's what what teams are looking at, you know those top teams in the Ivy League and saying, "Oh boy, all right, we got to play Brown tonight." Uh, all right, everybody got the ice ready. All right, who's gonna uh, who's gonna score? Somebody get me open. Oh great, it's Brown. I don't know if we can get open. All right, let's just try to get in here and try to get a win. Like that's that's the vibe that I got from how good they played defensively. And you know, you get the win. Against Georgetown, you get the win against Providence, and it's because you hung your hat, I think, on the defensive end. You'll find offense. Kyla Jones is going to score. She's talented. As we said, she's a lefty, so she'll find some space on the floor that nobody else finds. They cheat, Coy. They cheat. (laughs) But you're right. I think at times Grace Arnley shows that swagger, um, and I'm sure as she continues to grow and develop throughout this season and beyond, she'll show more of that. Um, because she will, you're right, realize that, you know, she is one of the best players on the floor, if not the best player. And, um, you know, there's times where you see it, but she's still young. So, you know, collectively, though, I, I just I can't say enough good things about just how great they were, you know, defensively and what we've seen, you know, the last few games. Because if that's the way they're going to play and buy in, you know, then they're going to be in a lot of games, a lot of nights, and they'll find the offense you know, in, in different ways, but tribute to the coaching staff, because that means you've got a team that is bought in and that's a great thing. Yeah. There is promise there for sure. And and we'll be interested to see what Brown does here in this little bit of stretch away from home. Uh, another team that's hitting the road on Tuesday night. And then over the weekend, that's Bryant women quite sitting at three and one, the lady Bulldogs uh, off to a good start under Lynn and Kukowski. The The most recent win was against central Connecticut at home. Uh, that was a game they needed to hang on down the stretch, but but ultimately got it done. Uh, you know, 72-69 at the chase. 
uh, quite we they are leaning heavily on the starting five. And and one of those members who has been productive so far, a very nice surprise, Mia Mancini out of Wheeler, uh, had 20 points against the Blue Devils, uh, has been one of the best rookies in the America East to date. Uh, you know, really has found her groove with her outside shot. She's making three pointers at a really nice clip uh, and has been a really good addition for Lynn Ann and for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Mia Mancini, that's it with that team. Um, you know, because I think as we've discussed, Fortuny is going to be a very good player for you. She has been a very good player in the past. But if you have a rookie that's going to step forward like this, that's a great thing. And I'm sure she's getting the confidence from a coach that was a guard for this program that, you know, was a really good player for this program in the new head coach. And sometimes you see this too. New head coach comes in and it's sort of a clean slate. It's an opportunity for players to step forward because, you know, you probably know what you have on your roster, who's going to be in your program going in as a new head coach. But I'm sure part of the messaging is like, look, you play well, you're you're going to get opportunity. I don't care if you're a freshman, a senior, whatever. If you play well and we think that you're going to help us win, you're going to get opportunity. And clearly, Mia has stepped forward and good for her. We love seeing local players step forward, and she's been really good and consistently good so far. He mentioned inside Mariana Planis Fortuny and Nia Scott both had double doubles in that game. So very productive, gritty efforts in the paint from the two of them. Uh, you'd love to play guard for Lynn because she's going to open it yeah. up. She wants to get up and down. That's the style they tried to run at UMass, where she was an assistant coach and the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, and for someone like Mancini, you you look and you say, "Wow." This is great. I have freedom to play offense. I have the green light to shoot the ball if I want to. You know, she's telling me to shoot the ball from three. I Great. Like, that's what I want to do. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, I go back to, to Bill Reynolds, who we mentioned during the Brown men segment of this. Uh, you know, he used to say all the time, your, your shot was like, uh, you know, it was one of those things. It, it was a cruel mistress in a way. Sometimes it would be there and some other times it would disappear and you'd say, well, what happened? You know, why can't I make anything at this point? Mia's in a space right now where I guarantee you the basket looks like the ocean for her. She's thinking every time I let it go, if I'm open, it's going to go in. And that is a great headspace to be in if you are a shooter and a perimeter player. Um, you know, Bryant will be on the road Tuesday night. They play at Merrimack, uh, short trip up to Massachusetts. They'll play against uh Merrimack team led by Jamie DeCesare, the former star at LaSalle. Uh, you know, Jamie's had a very nice college career at Merrimack, was a very good player in high school uh, as well. Merrimack had a bit of a steal there. Uh, and then they will go to Florida this weekend. They will play Florida International at uh, the Dolphins' own tournament. They're the Dolphins, right? I think. I think they are. Florida International? Uh, I'll double-check that. They might Hang be. On. Uh, they play Hang Florida on. International on Friday, and then either William & Mary or Tennessee State on Sunday, a two-game tournament in Miami. Um, and then they'll come back next week and host Brown on Wednesday. And, and that should be a really interesting game. Uh, Brown making the short trip to play Bryant. What do you got, Coy? They're the Panthers. The Panthers. Jeez. Why Florida they, International. Why do I think they were the Dolphins? They should be the Dolphins. They're in Florida, for God's sake. Why are they the oh, Panthers? The football team, Miami. I mean, Dolphins. I guess the hockey team's the Florida Panthers. Are there Panthers everywhere in Florida? 
I've never seen a panther in Florida. Right. I mean, what are we doing here? Unless, unless, unless uh, Yanni Karak has put on a little more uh, chest hair when he goes out to the beach there down oh, there. Well, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a different podcast. Ladies. <laughs> that's a different podcast. If we wanted to call Florida the Cougars, that might be uh, appropriate as well. That's also a different podcast. Um, that that'll be for another time. You can do that one on your own time. Um, you know, so Brown and Brown and and certainly Bryant playing well here. Um, the Providence women, quite we we mentioned them a little bit earlier when we were talking about Brown. Uh, the Friars now have dropped two in a row. Uh, they lost at Brown last Wednesday, and then they lost to Boston College on Sunday at home. Uh, 71-56 final, um, a game where Boston College started quick. They're up 18-6 after a quarter. Uh, they won the second half as well by six. Um, and I think that's one of those games, Coit, where you might have thought at the start of the year, and certainly the way Providence played through two games, you, you might have thought, hey, they can nip the Eagles here at home. They, they've got a good chance to win that game. When you lose by 15, I think it gives you an idea, much like the URI men playing at Mohegan. Yeah, we're still at the start of something here. We're we're maybe not as far down the road as you know we would have liked to be. We we get caught up in the two and zero start and and the way they played and you know just the, that renewed energy under Aaron Bath. Uh, you know, reality hits against Boston College when you have 27 turnovers in the game. Um, you know, and you, you, you go 10 for 23 at the foul, uh, sorry, you go, uh, you get out rebounded in that game as well by double digits. Um, you know, that's, that's one of those things where you, you look and you say, uh, sorry, they didn't get out rebounded. I can't read the statue. What am I doing? Coit, save me. <laughs> no, I, 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 I know what you're talking about. I think the 27 turnovers is the big number. Um, because to me, that means, all right, you're going through some growing pains as to, you know, handling the basketball. And, um, you know, I think there's some players here that are still adjusting. You know, um, I, I I like what I've seen out of, you know, a player like Grace Afosa, even in the two losses here. Um, you know, I think she showed some toughness in the Brown game, you know, as they were trying to, you know, come back, make the rally there. Um, you know, but I think there are, you know, some adjustments being made um, to a player like Marta Morales, who I think can be a really good player for their program. Um, but, you know, five turnovers in that game, I, I think there there's some growing pains there probably. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. And I think this is all, again, all good for growth. As we mentioned with the URI men, um, gives Aaron Bath and her staff some things to to work on, to look at. Um, particularly in an up game against Boston College like that. Um, so, you know, they, they've got the talent. They've got some some players here that are going to help them going forward. And then, you know, what can they get off their bench too? Um, I think they're still trying to figure some of that out a little bit. Um, so we'll see. It's it's early. Um, this is the team that's adjusting with a new coaching staff. So, and I think even Aaron Bath tweeted as much. She was like, you know, after the Brown loss, it's like, we'll grow. We'll grow from this. We'll continue to grow. Um, and so you're sort of seeing that before your eyes, but it's a long season. They got a lot of time and they'll continue to work. And the turnovers don't just take rhythm. They they take opportunity away. If you look at that game and now that I've actually correctly read the stat sheet and, and thank you, Coit, <laughs> for bailing me out. Uh, Providence had 14 fewer shot attempts in that game than Boston College did. 
uh, you know, that's real cost of mistakes uh, in real time playing out. Um, you know, and if, if you're going to have 14 fewer shot attempts than the opponent, you need to be marksman out there. Uh, otherwise, you will lose. Um, most nights, you, you certainly will. And, uh, you know, Providence certainly hitting you know, a couple bumps here, uh, you know, we'll see what sort of growth they, they can take away from this and, and, and achieve over the next few weeks. Uh, they host Monmouth on Wednesday, um, in an afternoon game at alumni hall, you would imagine that gives them a chance to, you know, maybe if they want to sneak home for a day on Thanksgiving, they, they might have a chance to, uh, you know, you would think that, that Aaron Bath would probably have something planned for the players if they wanted to stay on campus. Um, I think it was in, in uh, her introductory press conference. She said she would cook for her team. Um, you know, so <laughs> yeah. This this could be an opportunity for that. Uh, you know, if she wanted big to host time. a big dinner somewhere. Um, you know, I, I think I think that could be in play. Um, you know, Providence then returns to action uh, on Sunday. They've got two tough road games coming up at Penn State, which is a Big Ten opponent, and then at Columbia, Coit. And you know, we know we've talked about the strength at the top of the Ivy League with Columbia, Princeton, and Harvard. Uh, for results break right, the Ivy League has a chance to be a three-bid league in the women's NCAA tournament. Wild. Um, the, the teams at the top of that league are really, really good. That Wednesday morning game at Columbia, that would be a tough one for the Friars. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, again, stiff competition. Um, so continue to try to grow and see what you can get. I mean, you, you're playing, you're playing good teams, you know, and as we mentioned here, you know, potential tournament teams. So, you know, work some things out and see what you can do. You know, the competition being at what it is, that can only help you. All right, Coit, we will wrap this up. Uh, again, we want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. We we hope it's filled with with family and football and some basketball and some great food. Uh, Coit, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? So I am straight up always excited for the turkey. Okay. I love the turkey. The side dishes are, there's plenty of them. There's plenty of good things. You know, I, I love, you know, whatever you can stuff in the mashed potatoes. I love that. Um, but I, I, the thing that gets me most excited on Thanksgiving is having the turkey. Dennis, my father, always makes the turkey. And he kills it. It's so good. Mm. It is incredible. So I, the side dishes are wonderful. But to me, I look forward to the turkey. And I look forward to the warm apple pie with a little vanilla ice cream afterwards. Oh, so darn good. So that's what I look forward to. Tremendous. Well done. That's that's excellent. Good for you. I'm, I'm basic. I am a basic person on on thanksgiving that's why I mean, well i mean being from the uh america's hometown maybe that is fitting that you are a traditionalist in in that way <laughs> um you know for me i'm i'm a big stuffing guy uh you know my mom makes some stuffing with with the spicy sausage in there oh delicious really nice. really good uh and then dessert chocolate cream pie Ooh. with with some whipped cream on top delicious never fails to deliver um, and then you know, more than the dinner, I'm a big turkey sandwich guy. Right. The days after are 
huge. That's why I didn't do a lot of grocery shopping this week. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of times for, for us, you know, we're out covering high school football in the morning. We we may, you know, you and Ian Steele, your your partner at ABC6, you guys obviously do the, the night show, Pick 6, um, mm-hmm. special Thanksgiving edition. And, you know, you might miss dinner with the family. And there are some times where I'm a little late for dinner and whatever else, and I might miss the full sit down. But I'm always going to have a turkey sandwich at the ready. And it is a beautiful thing for sure. Shops were home for dinner. Anybody? <laughs> quite whispering sweet nothings into the zoom screen it's a beautiful thing <laughs> um so with that folks we we thank you again we wish you a happy thanksgiving coity best to you and your family i will see you, too, you at a court sometime soon